We're going to read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. I'll read verse 14. Join me on verse 15 and 16, if you would, please. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us... Uh, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And read verse 16 with me, please. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you for bringing our pastor back um, after being uh, away from us for two weeks. Lord, thank you for uh, delivering him safely. I pray, Father, that you would uh, continue the good work there in Africa, Lord, with his daughter and son-in-law, and I pray that you would bless them, Lord, even now. And I pray, Father, that you would meet with us today, Lord, and again, fill our pastor with the power of the Holy Spirit. Please speak to each heart today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
wondrous grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransom soul away. Send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless day. Come, thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. All right, it it's, uh, feels kind of strange. I've been in another world for a while, and uh, it's mighty good to be back, but I'm trying to get adjusted, so uh, bear with me. Uh, it's really... Uh, the, the, the jet lag's kind of strange way it affects you that I ought to be in the middle of the day there to, or in the afternoon right now, which is about six hours ahead, and why it affects you the way it does, but it does. But uh, we had such a great time. I'm going to tell you about a lot of those, those things somewhere over the next, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. I'll probably mention some different things and maybe try to get some pictures together to show you. Uh, it really was a great blessing for, for uh, Colby, I believe. I believe he was really challenged by what we were able to do, things we were able to, you know, places we were able to go, and, and the people that we were able to influence. Uh, I think it was great for him. My son-in-law and, and daughter, that they, they got to go with us. They were just absolutely, my son-in-law looked at me as we were leaving, and he said it was life-changing. You just, and, and truthfully, you really, if ever you can go to the mission field, you ought to go. You, you, you ought to try to go because it really is a life-changing event when uh, when when you're able to see and, and and be involved in the life we're so blessed in America we really are and we, we're not we don't understand how blessed we are until we go someplace else and realize uh, my son-in-law Dennis he just he he got off the plane when we landed back at JFK and and he was just almost giddy he was almost so excited you know because he it, you you land and and to be back in America is just it's it's an amazing thing, uh, and so uh, just be praying for Mike and Brooke over there. They've had a, a lot a lot of battles. Uh, the new family came over. They gave their home to that new family and they moved into another place. Uh, if you understand though, the the it had no roof. It had the place that they were moving into. They had to build a roof on it. They. Um, they had to just get out all the insects and things out of it. It had no electricity, had no water, had no anything. Um, we got a lot done while we were over there. Praise the Lord. Got, and so, uh, but they're, they're kind of like starting from ground zero again for them. But uh, that's who they are. They would rather the other people be taken care of better than they are. So pray for them. A lot, lot still needs to be done. I want you to, if you would, uh, just to... Look at Hebrews 11.6. I tell you what, don't even turn there. I'll just read Hebrews 11.6, and then we'll go back to the passage. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I forgot to turn my mic on, didn't I? All right. Okay. The, um, that's a, such a crucial verse and such a crucial uh, teaching that we need to, to have in our lives and to understand. But God says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith must be mighty important. 
God must put a lot into faith. And so what I'm going to do to this morning is try to give a, a sermon. It's going to be very simplistic, but I'll be honest with you. When God gave me this, and, and God uh, gave me this when I was over in Africa in the prayer camp, and I was preparing, I'd been walking and praying and, and asking, Lord, what could I do to help these people? And, and you know, the, the faith that they have even to, to trust Christ and to take a step away from, uh, in many ways, their culture, uh, some of them come out of, of just idol worship families. And, and, and when we talk about idol worship, it's not a ritual thing, it's a demonic thing. Uh, there really is a, a demon of the idol that they're worshiping, and he attacks them. He influences them, and the family will attack them. And uh, one man that I'll tell you a little bit more about, but one man, uh, he's 72 years old, his name's John. He was our translator, and, and uh, two and a half years ago, John was an idol worshiper. Two and a half years ago, he got saved, and after he got saved, you think, okay, that takes care of everything. But no, what happened was, was the, 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 the demon of the idol tormented him so much that he, after a few weeks, he ran into the bush, into the jungle, and he lived in the bush alone in the jungle for quite some time. And when they finally found him again, and when they finally got to him and Mike got to him again, he said, why did you run away? And he said, because the voices in my head would not leave me alone. So Michael took him through what's called spiritual warfare counseling and prayers, and, and uh, truthfully, John was set free from that. And uh, that, that demonic spirit had to leave him. And John, uh, when I was there with him, he's translating for us, you've never seen a man with a greater spirit. Uh, I, probably, I'm, I'm trying to get the recording. Uh, my son-in-law, I think, has the recording of John singing the song that he wrote. And, and it's, just, it's just such a blessing. Uh, he just sings, I want to go to heaven when I die. And uh, it was such a blessing. But John has such an incredible spirit, such an attitude. But it's, it's because uh, it not just salvation came, but he was set free. And he has such a faith. He's already in these past two years, he has memorized more scripture than most of us do in a lifetime. He, he sat in a car with us and he recited psalm, complete psalms, one after another to us. And he recited, and just such a blessing. Uh, we, we were so blessed by him, so encouraged by him. And as I was with Michael one day, Mike was saying uh, about John, he said, you know, Dad, he said, uh, John lives in a little one-room place. And he said he's, he's all alone. He, he has no one because his family are all idol worshipers, and they, they literally will attack him and and, and, and so many things. And in that culture, they're supposed to, the family's supposed to take care of the older people and, and feed them and, and do things for them. They won't do anything for him. He, everything he does, he has to do for himself. And Mike said, he said he's 70, 72 years old. He, li he has a little mat on the ground that he sleeps on, just a little thin mat. Well, the moment Kobe and I were sitting there, the moment I, looked, I just looked at Kobe, and Kobe looked at me, and I said, what do you think? And he said, we got to. And so Kobe and I went and bought him a bed. Amen. You've never seen a man so excited when we carried in that bed frame and that mattress. For that. And, and he hugged me, and he thanked us, and he, but he just kept praising the Lord. And I said, he said, what can I do to thank you? And, and I said, John, you can pray for me. And he looked at me, and he, and he started describing his prayer time. 
He said in his room, and he had a, a mat there, and, and he had uh, verses about the Lord up on, the, on his concrete wall that he had written. He said, this is where I pray. He said, but then when I, but every day, he said, I go to the bush in my place alone. He calls it Rack. I am set apart for God. And he said, every day, Brother Hooker, I pray for you. That's faith. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have, have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. He says, hold on to it. Don't turn back from what you profess to be. For if we are not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And then he says this, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and to help in the time of need. God says, let us therefore come boldly. Come boldly. Therefore, because of what he's just said, he said, you can come to God boldly. And he's talking about Jesus being a high priest. And he says, because he's a high priest, because he's been tempted like you, because he understands everything about you, he said, you can come boldly. You know what? You can't come boldly unless you have faith. And this, what I'm about to teach, teach and preach this morning, if I can do it, if my mind will stay clear enough, and I've got to ask God to help me, but, but this is so, so much of a faith builder that when we pray, we can come boldly to God, and God will answer our prayers. And he said he'll give us grace and mercy to help in the time of need. So I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, guide my mind, my thoughts. Lord, I, I, I need your strength. I need your clarity. I need your guidance, Lord. I, I, I need your Spirit of God. Please, Father, I ask you to guide my mind, my thoughts, that, that, that something would be said that, that would help someone that, that would better be able to come boldly to your throne. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The command is clear that we come boldly to the throne of grace. We saw the, the, the great in, enemy uh, to coming boldly uh, to the throne of grace. I saw it over there so much, and I see it here in America, but the great enemy of coming boldly is fear. Fear of failure, fear of unworthiness, fear of rejection, fear that God will not answer, hear and answer uh, or that God does not want to hear. So long as we have fear, faith is absent. Faith must be present if we're to confidently come to God. When we come boldly to, to the throne of grace, we must understand our purpose for coming, and that's in this passage of Scripture. Of course, it's the throne of grace, but at the throne of grace, God says we also find mercy. Now, grace is getting what we don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And God says, not only when we come to the throne of grace, we come into the throne of grace, and we're getting what we don't deserve. And he said, all along, as we're there, we're not getting what we, uh, we're, we're, we're getting what we don't deserve, and we're not getting what we do deserve. Now, 
It says, though, it says this, it says, find grace to help in the time of need. And, and I'll be honest with you, I read this like most of us read it. I think, okay, when I have need, I can come boldly to the throne of grace. And the truth is, that is part of what it means, but it's twofold. And God convicted me about this. When we come boldly to the throne of grace, so much is available to us to help us, but also to help in the time of need, that means to help others in the time of need. We know that fear and feelings of unworthiness will keep us from coming boldly and therefore will keep us from finding help and others from finding help in the time of need. We are right now needy people. Everybody in here is a needy person. I told the people in Ghana, I said, hold up your hand if you're in need. And, if, and some of them raised their hands, some of them didn't, but let me, let me help you folks. Every one of us is in need. We're all in need. So we must come boldly to the throne of grace. The word boldly is most commonly defined as frankness, bluntness, assurance, or confidence. But this word boldly, the word boldly is used 13 times in in our Bible. But this word in this verse is the only time that specific word is used. And it's really a combination of two words. Now, I want you to understand, the word boldly, every other time, means this. It means frankness, bluntness, assurance, or confidence. Because, honestly, because sometimes we don't dig as deeply as we should, uh, I had a man preach and teach that this, this really meant Basically, the way he described it, that we as Christians are supposed to come arrogantly to God. That's the way he displayed it. It was like this. I come to God and I tell him what to do. When I heard that, I looked at my wife and I said, I don't tell God to do nothing. Okay? I don't care how much you tell me I'm supposed to. I'm not going to tell God you must do this because I said so. He may just go... You ain't saying so anymore. Now, it's not that. It's confidently is a good word. That's fine. You come confidently to God, but we have to understand why we have the confidence. And this will change your life. And I don't know if it'll do for you what it does for me, but it sends chills up my spine when I read the rest. What It's two words. This word boldly is that word which means confidently. It means even frankly, you come, you come with assurance, but it's, it's, it's combined with an adjective. And here's what it means. It means this. It has confidence and assurance as its definition, but it's clarified by this adjective which joins it, and it means accompaniment amid occupying an intermediate position between. Now, you better hold on. When I read this, it about lit me up. It's what's keeping me awake right now. For this, this it's going to be a short message, but the truth is powerful. And it's always a bad thing when I say it's going to be a short message. But the truth is power. The truth is what allows me to come boldly to the throne of grace. The truth is what allows me to find grace and mercy in the time of need. When others have a need, when my family has a need, when my country has a need, when, when I have a need, uh, God has shown me uh, that, that clearly this, this, this 
truth. And, and, and right after that, I read where, where Mrs. Hansen had gone to heaven. And can I tell you, uh, the Hansen family, I, I came boldly to the throne of grace for you. Why? Because God said I could come boldly. He said I could have assurance. He said I could have confidence to come to him. And you say, why would God hear anything I I say? And so often in our failures, we think, how can I come boldly to God when I know how weak I am? Watch this now. I can come confidently, assuredly, directly with my request. Why? Listen to this. Why? Because I don't come alone. That's what the definition tells me. I don't come alone. You see, what is it saying? Listen, this is what it's saying. It's saying that there's somebody that's coming. Even the word, it said amid. You know, we get the word amidst me. It's saying that some, when I go, there's something amidst me. There's something accompanying me. Hello? Guess what? Listen to this verse. Romans 8, chapter 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Watch this. When I come to the throne of grace, I'm accompanied. I have somebody amidst me. I don't come alone. I come with the very Spirit of God. And watch it. And look, you say, man, I don't say the words right or I don't speak right. One fella came to me and he said, Brother Hooker, I just don't feel confident in prayer. I don't know the words to say. And I looked at him and I said, son, it's not the words that you say. It's the faith of your heart because the Spirit of God's inside you to speak for you. One of the Ghanaian men came to me, pastors came to me. He said, he said what does this groaning mean? I said, sir, it means when, when, when you are so overwhelmed, when, it, when your heart is so broken, it, when you're at such a point where you want to pray, but you can't pray, you don't, the words won't come out of your mouth. All you can do is groan to God, oh God. And the Spirit translates that all out and says, Lord, this is what he needs. This is what they need. And hold on now, if that's not enough, the definition was incredible. Accompaniment. Amidst. And then it said, <laughs> an intercessor. Amen. Between. Watch this. The Spirit of God goes with me to the throne to intercede for me, to speak what I cannot and and do not know even how to speak or what to speak. He knows my heart that I come to find grace and mercy to help, so he will ask for that grace and mercy for me. And if that's not enough, then we also see Hebrews 7, 24 and 25. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Well, this is so exciting to me. I I don't know. It doesn't do anything for anybody out here. 
it was so exciting to me because I, I, I come in, in, in my weakest moment, in my weakest time, when I, I feel like I'm so unworthy, I can stop and say, wait, when I go before God, I don't go alone. The Spirit is in me and He comes to speak for me. But that's, he said, if that's not enough to light your fire, Jesus is already waiting when you get there. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. That means no matter what time I arrive, he's already there. And you know what he's doing? He's interceding for me. And watch this now. When the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit get together, and the Holy Spirit says to, to, to the Father, this is what they need. And Jesus says, Father, it's all okay. Everything he needs already paid for. Do you understand? That's why we can come boldly. Because it's not us coming. I'm not coming in my perfection. I'm not coming in my goodness. I'm not coming because I'm better than somebody else. I'm not coming because God's going to have to hear me because I, I say he does. No, I'm coming. I'm coming with the Spirit of God in me. I got a feeling that God will listen to God. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for me. So at any time I come to the throne of grace, He's already there. He's there. And the Spirit of God comes with me. If that doesn't change your faith, I don't know what will. If that doesn't give you confidence to come boldly to the throne of grace. I come with this. The Scripture also says the Spirit intercedes uses that term i have jesus who intercedes the spirit who intercedes why do you think mercy endures forever because jesus ever lives to intercede for our mercy before there was ever a team in ghana which we support before there was ever my son and law and daughter were ever in ghana i made the first trip over to, to Ghana as a, on a survey trip to see where there would be a ministry set up. And when I went over there, one of the key things there was to, to buy land, you have to get to the king. Now, Ghana is divided into three major regions and are basically three major ruling tribes. The southern region is, is one tribe. The, the middle is, is what's where we are in the, near Kamasi, but out in the villages is called the Ashanti region. Well, they, they have all kinds of levels of kings. Every, every village has a chief. And then you will have kings of regions and areas, but there's one, he's called the Asantehini. He is the king of all the Ashanti people. In order to really do what we were doing, the magnitude to which we were going to do, we wanted to get to the Ashanti king, the Santahini. So we went and we found out very quickly, it was three of us men, we found out very quickly that everything you do, you basically have to pay a bribe every level to get somebody to take you to the next level. And at every level, they'll promise you that they can get you to the next level or to the, to the king. After thousands of dollars were spent, 
we still could not see the king, and we were not even close. We didn't realize it at that time because we didn't know, understand the culture and the people. So I went that evening back to the little motel that we were staying in and, and having a little meal, and I gathered men together, and so we just, you know, if, you, if all, the, all your money doesn't get you where you got to go, then we better just stop trying to buy our way and talk to the God of heaven. So I prayed that God would allow us to, to be able to reach the king so that we could be able to, to, to make the, this agreement. As I'm sitting there eating, got through praying, and a, a little boy about, uh, he's probably 15 years old, he's waiting the table, and he looked at me and he said, Sir, do you want to see the king? And I said, yes, that's what we were praying about. He said, my uncle can get you to see the king. I'm thinking, well, sure, then he wants some more money. And I said, well, where's your uncle? And he said, his house is just down the street, his mansion. And I said, well, you take us to it. He took us, took us down there. Gave him what their, their money CDs. I gave him a few CDs. We, we walked in to, there. He brought us in, and it was a mansion. And when you walked in, you see a picture of this man, and he's, he's uh, standing by the prime minister of England. He's got another picture with the president. I'm thinking, who is this guy? Well, he comes out, and he tells us who he is, his businesses and different things. And he says, uh, if you'll come tomorrow morning... The king's going to be at the golf course. Now, you have to understand what a golf course is in Ghana, but uh, it, it's, it's really a pasture. But, uh, but we got there, and the king was playing golf. He walked by, and he, he did not speak to us. They don't speak directly to you. His rep speaks to them. But, and he, they said, you know, come this afternoon at such such time, and you'll be able to have a, an audience with the king. So this man took us to see the king. He told us when we walk in, he said, let me speak because you can't address the king directly. They said, really, don't look directly at him. Always look to me or to his translator. So I walked in. Can I tell you, folks, I wasn't nervous at all. I wasn't nervous because I didn't have to do anything. The man that came with me was speaking to the king. And watch this, he was a friend of the king. I had nothing to worry about. I knew they understood each other. They were speaking in a language I couldn't even understand. But I was standing confidently in that room because I had with me the friend of the king who understood the king, and the king understood him. Now, I'll just be honest with you. If I had gone without him in to see the king, I would have probably created a new language because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
I don't know where I'm supposed to look. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And sometimes when I come before God, that's how confused I am. Sometimes I'm so brokenhearted. Sometimes I'm so weary. I was there at my daughter's home, and I, I'm a daddy that wants to fix everything. I don't mean physically fix it because I don't know how to do nothing. <laughs> but I want it fixed. But the one thing I could do is come boldly to the throne of grace. And because I was able to come boldly to the throne of grace, not because I'm special, but because I'm not coming alone. I'm coming with somebody who knows the king really well. And he knows his language. And he knows what's been said. And he's going to say and do just what needs to be done. And I got a feeling that whatever God requests of God, God is going to answer. And that's what he did. We arrived, they had no electricity. And you can't get anybody to come. But when we left, they had electricity because God worked a miracle. There just so many things that God did while we were there that only God could do. But he didn't do it because any one of us was got some special place with God. No, all of us have a special place with God. We gathered together and came boldly to the throne of grace, knowing that God came with us to speak for us, to intercede for us. And that's the kind of God we serve. He said, you got needs, and you're going to have in the time of need. He said, you're going to have some mighty great needs. And he said, you know what? I'm going to guarantee you. I can take care of it. So much so when you don't even know what your need is, I got somebody that does, and he'll translate for you. He knows my language. All I had was a boy who interceded for me and a man who spoke for me. And God brought me before the king. And you know what the king did? He answered every request. And I can't take the glory for it because I made no requests. The one who came with me asked the king. And it's just funny. 
the king was going to do whatever his friend wanted. Never had to spend another dime. Everybody here, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because you don't come alone. I hope that's an encouragement to you. I hope it's a blessing to you. I, uh, I want, I want Calvary to be a place where people believe that they have a prayer answering God. And you can come boldly believing that because you don't come alone. Father, I pray that you bless.